Way. Did you bust out the old music? Pour moi. No, it was an accident, actually. It was. A... Didn't mean to. <laughs> That's not true. You are just thrilled that I am back. Are you uh, back? Is I actually back? flew. I actually flew well, he's, all he's, the way he's back. Here. I don't know if he's That's back. true. I'm not back. I actually flew all the way back from Paris for the show. <laughs> um, yeah, that's not true. No. Uh, yeah, that's correct. Can I tell you something? I was in Paris for uh, uh, three months. Yeah. And by the way, I'm hoping to go back uh, for another couple of months. Good. We'll find out. But uh, it was very. Ex- it was a very. Thank you. Uh, nice to be wanted. Uh, <laughs> very exciting. The uh, the coolest thing I did in three months in Paris was not just eat my way through the whole goddamn city. But let me tell you something with Paris. By the way, as I the food, right? Here's the, okay. You know what? Here's the thing. As we go into 17 different tangents, and maybe we'll talk about Blu-rays like in hour six of this podcast because I, I have all sorts of stories. Yeah. What I'm saying is that we, uh, as Americans, we put additives and preservatives in our food that that are illegal in France yes. right Properly so. and 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 that's the right thing to do you, you know it's funny at the uh, at the recently concluded Colcoa where I moderated two events and was on the jury again that's great and, way. that's great way. um I did a bit with uh, Melanie Laurent did a Q&A with Melanie Laurent who has a new film and we covered her old film and uh, she talked about how the fact that all French films just people are always eating and American films people never eat well, because we're always on, we're always dieting, yeah. and yet we're always fat. Yes, and they are not. So true. Well, here's the thing: they first they walk a lot, and also they're not scared of food. They eat they eat uh, uh, proportionally. Like Americans just stuff their fat effing gullet with crap all day long, <laughs> yeah. just like eating Doritos at their desk and that yeah. kind of stuff. The French don't do that. No. You know they 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 have a, a little bit of protein, some vegetables, some a lot of bread. Yeah. They have a cheese course. Now, my girlfriend, who is not a rich person, right, has a cheese course. Yeah. Now, it could just be two pieces of cheese. It doesn't have to be like this whole uh, highfalutin Barry Lyndon thing. Uh, I made that up. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not sure what that meant. What I'm saying is they have a cheese course, and then they have dessert. Now, dessert could just be like a, like a thing of pudding. It doesn't have to be much, but they, they do it, and they, they're not afraid of food. The portions are reasonable. The food is healthier, better made. It was fantastic. And by the way, guess, Tim? It's butter and not margarine. Yeah, oh, nice. it's all no, no. It's all butter. Yeah. It's all butter. And by the way, I went to uh, uh, Brittany. Yeah, my girlfriend's from Brittany, yeah. and Brittany is known for their pastries, and they're known for the fact that they're not just pastries. It's basically sculpted butter. There is so much butter yeah. in these pastries that make them unbelievably delicious. So how come they can eat sculpted butter every morning for breakfast and not get fat? I don't know, but you know what else Brittany's known for. Uh, they're spears. I see. I was, I was, yeah. was going to try to... It didn't work. Yeah. Okay, here's the coolest thing I did. You ready? Yeah. So what I did is I actually taught... Now, get this. I taught a three-hour master class in unscripted television production at Luc Besson's film school. Now, Luc Besson... Yeah, that makes you a Netflix employee. Now. It, it kind of does. Yeah. Uh, actually, you know what? I told him not to pay me. Uh, so I did it for free. So uh, Luke's got this film school, which, by the way, is free. Film school is free. This is awesome, actually. Yeah. Because don't forget... And I usually like to make fun of him. I can't actually make fun of that. Yeah. Okay, never mind. Because don't forget, Luke was rejected from film school, and his revenge, he was rejected, yeah. and his revenge was to start his own film school when he became, you know, whatever, older and richer and more yeah. famous, and he would have it for free. Now, of course, there's a vetting process, a big-time vetting process, but once you're in, it's free. Anyway, next to the film school is this huge production facility where he shoots all of his movies and all of his TV shows until yeah. Valerian came out. Yeah. And then suddenly... <laughs> It's all done. Who has it, Wade? Netflix. Uh, yeah, Netflix. So I taught a three-hour master class. I was very proud of myself, Wade. Yep. Tim, very proud of myself. Tim, I did a 54-page PowerPoint. Yeah. 54 pa- I can't even count to 54. <laughs> and I did a 54-page PowerPoint. And there not a lot of kids in the class. 
maybe 20. Yeah. And uh, a third of them spoke great English. A third of them spoke okay English. And the other third either spoke no English or didn't give a crap what I was saying. And they said nothing. But it was like, no, here's the thing. Wade Major, Tim Cogshell, these guys are actual teachers. They stand in front of students regularly and they say smart things. Yeah. Right? Well, Tim does. Uh, well, I, I, I tell them the stuff you told me. <laughs> I've never done this before. And, and it was like performance art. Yes. You've got to entertain these kids for three hours and make sure they don't zone out. And that's what it is, really. You know, the thing that you told me, though, when we were talking about this earlier, you gave them that choice about, um, in that last 20 minutes, the social media or hard news. What do, you want to, what do you want to talk about? And I think the choice they went with is interesting. Well, what happened was that the, uh, I had this whole thing timed out, right? And the first hour and a half before the, you know, the first half before the break, I did great. I was right on time, PowerPoint, riveting, look at Mark, telling stories, telling lies, doing what he does. <laughs> well, the second half, I, I got behind. And with about 20 minutes left, I said to these kids, I go, look, you French idiots, I have a question for you. We, I didn't say that part. Uh, but I said, look, we have 20 minutes left. You have a choice. We could either talk about online video production, producing for Snapchat and Facebook and all those stupid things I don't even use and don't care about, even though I was executive producer of New Media at E! for 11 years. And we could talk about that, or we could talk about how to produce a news program, a live news program. And I thought for sure, because they're young whippersnappers who are hip with the kids and they are the kids, that they would for sure go with new media production. That's what they would want. Why wouldn't they? They're all on Snapchat. They're all on Twitter. They're all on whatever the hell. They all said, we'd rather hear about news. And I, I'm just, I'm absolutely certain that would not have happened here in the United States of America. Never. I'm, I'm, no. pr- I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm certain it wouldn't have happened. For one thing, I'm not sure if they have, and, and that, I did want you to do a little reporting on uh, the Me Too thing. Uh, you were telling me, Mark, that the Me Too thing isn't the same there. They don't really have it. They, I mean, there's some issues, but they don't have it. They don't understand it. No, Me, me Too has always meant, look, when, the, when that, that large group of French women, including Catherine Deneuve, came out and just said, oh, get over yourselves with your Me Too. Yeah. It, they had to take that back, though. But we, uh, they, yeah, kind of. But, but the thing is, you know, French society is, we all know what French, food, French movies are about. Me Too means, hey... I want in. Me hmm. too. Put me. I make it a threesome. <laughs> that's that's what me too means in France. <laughs> but, that, but that's interesting to me, um, uh, and that they are apparently not having the uh, fake news uh, moment that we're having here in America. Thus, that they wanted to actually talk about the news. They want to talk about the news. You know that's what? It's, it, it's not well. You know what? Because they're generally speaking better educated. Like they they take education more seriously. My girlfriend's daughter is five years old and she is just so smart she's or she already speaks english and german and french really yes at five yes it's bizarre i gotta get my daughter on the ball where she can count in french it's bizarre i mean she's and she, not and she, and she does you know I, honestly my daughter also does sign language she's so, she, yeah. she she's not fluent and by the way can i say something about the french yeah first of all they're annoying <laughs> okay here's the thing with the Smart, french but annoying. they really are here's the thing i was i was sitting okay there's a couple things about france about french france i don't understand first of all all the garbage cans in france they got the blue one they got the green one they got the regular one i don't know what garbage to put in what colored bin i, I just started just to throw crap away okay. I, I let somebody else sort it out that annoyed me also i was sitting at the table with my girlfriend the daughter and my girlfriend's mother we were having soup and I made the cardinal sin, punishable by excommunication, death, whatever, of slurping my soup. Now, I was told that in French society, slurping your soup 
is literally punishable by death. And I did not know that. I, I'm not sure I ever knew that either, but it explains a lot from when I lived there. So, And, and here's the thing, though. The moment they tell you that, I'm like, I'm just not going to have soup anymore. Yeah. Because if the soup is hot, I'm going to want to slurp it because I want it to gently enter my mouth. Mm. So I'm like, why don't I just not eat soup and just not get into that situation? All right. Yeah. So the, so the French, they love their social norms. That's really what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I hear you. Right? The French, by the way, not very friendly when you meet them. People think the French are rude. It's not that they're rude. Well, it is that they're rude because they're jerks. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, is that the French, you have to get to know them. They are not like Americans are big and blustery and loud and they, they'll, they'll tell you the life story in five seconds. Yeah. In France, they don't do that. No. You have to get to know them. Now, once you get to know them and you break that, you, you break into that, they will give you the shirt off their back, yeah. often in public. But <laughs> what I'm saying is, is that uh, you, it's not that they're rude, it's just that they're not, they're not giving of themselves until they get to know you, and I've met you a couple times. Yeah. I've noticed that. Yeah. Now, do you agree with that, Wade Major? I, I, I think I'd agree with that. Although I think, you know, your experience is in Paris, and Paris is very different from other parts of France. Uh, you know, Parisians are viewed askew uh, in many respects. But, um, well, good to know. Well, from that, let's, let's, just, let's just segue... To uh, a quick mention of Colcoa again, uh, yeah. uh, where we gave our top award to Labrio. Mark, where did you, have you heard about Labrio? I have not. However, I did see. Um, you know, I, I I went to the Colcoa uh, um, uh, uh, premiere gala, the the, the one with uh, the movie about the guy who wrote the book. What was that? You went here? Yeah, a week ago. Yes, you were there. Yes. Were you That's there? Funny. No, I wasn't there. I was watching it at home. I had a feeling, I had a feeling you weren't there. Otherwise, <laughs> otherwise obviously, I would have... about the, the uh, Charlotte Gainsbourg thing. Correct. Yeah. Which, I, so... Which, 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 see, now I'm drawing a blank on the, on the title. But yeah, that was originally a Jules Dassin film in 1970. Did you know that? That would have been super cool. Because that guy's life was unbelievable. And yeah. Jules Dassin would have... Knocked, I love him. Knocked, yeah. He directed Rafifi. And, yeah. Right. So anyway, I was there. Because uh, my girlfriend uh, works in uh, the French film music industry. And there were a lot of French film music executives in town for Colcoa, and she wrangled herself a um, uh, an invite to the gala premiere of that movie, whatever it's called, French Fa Fa Fa, it was yeah. called. Um, and here's the thing: the uh, uh, all I cared about really was the food, because they give you free food when you're at these galas. Yeah, and that's all I care about. I had a lot of food. It's fantastic because I'm unemployed. Wait, I'm not working. I'm, I'm traipsing around France. I'm not working. I'm unemployed. I need free food. Yes, well, you know. So, what, was, what, what's your favorite meal there? Huh? What was your favorite meal there? Oh, it was it was, it was just all just pastries. <laughs> I would just walk. You know what? I would have lunch. Mm-hmm. I would walk down some random French street and see. Oh, that looks good. Let's get that. And boy, am I full. That Promise thing at dawn. That's it. Yeah. Um, that thing was delicious. Let me just have that. And then I and then I'd walk maybe another forty five seconds, and I would say, Oh my god, that looks good too. I'll just have to have that. Did you did you like Promise at Dawn? Uh, not really. Did you? <laughs> I thought it was a bit shrill. It was a bit and shrill. I, I wanted to smack her, but uh, as an overbearing mother. But that's but that's the, but that director. I feel like Eric Barbier. The, the thing with the thing with the film is that everything was so outsized. He's made five films in twenty seven years. You know. Yeah. That. He's uh, he's he's like uh, Terrence Malick. Yeah. W- without the talent. Yeah. Well, uh, no, he, he does big epic movies. He's, it was a little too over the top. It was a little too over the top for me. No, Labrio is really great, by the way. And we'll move on with a few other things quickly. Labrio is uh, Daniel Otoy and a newcomer Camelia Jordana in what is kind of like the paper chase meets uh, Pygmalion set against racial and religious politics in France. Basically, a, uh, a young French law student, played, played by Camelia Jordana, who's of Algerian descent, 
who is in uh, this giant law class, first day of law school, with the professor, played by Daniel Ochoa, who basically is just a cynical, sarcastic, racist bastard who just starts making all kinds of anti-Arab comments. And uh, long story short, he winds up having to train her for a, a debate competition, you know, a rhetoric uh, competition. And, you know, you, you get the usual thing. But um, it's really sharp, and she's great, and he's great. And, uh, you know, there's some really, there's some very Archie Bunkery jokes in there where you laugh, you feel like you shouldn't, but it's letting off steam, and it's cathartic, and it works, you know, where he puts a, like a, put, puts a pen in her mouth to get her to enunciate more correctly. She kind of pauses, and he says, it's okay, it's halal. <laughs> I mean, come on, right? Okay, so I'll, buy I'm, I'll buy it, I'll buy it. None of this works in English. <laughs> it doesn't, but you know what? In French, it's, yeah, it's great. But that's that thing that we were talking about before. They're, they're, and it's funny, it's becoming more and more distinct yeah. in sort of cultural divides. Yeah. Um, frankly, not just the French in America, Canada, yeah. uh, uh, south of the border, uh, Latin, some of the Latin films we've seen lately. Yep. I've seen some Latin films lately that uh, simply couldn't get made in the United States of yep. America. You know? True. Uh, interesting stuff. And then we gave our uh, second award to uh, C'est la Vie, which is the new film by uh, Olivier Nakash and Eric Toledano, who did uh, the uh, the fantastic... Uh, Star Wars? No, with the, with um, uh, Clouseau and uh, Clouzet, Francois Clouzet and... Uh, Is that that thriller, that like two and a half hour thriller where... No, uh, no, 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 no. With the, with the, the, with what are you looking at me for? I don't know. I've been gone for six months. With, with uh, Omar C. Oh, the... Untouchables? Untouchables. Yeah, yeah. yeah Untouchables. So, uh, yeah. Intouchables. 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 That's yeah. right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So they, which has been remade a thousand times, but they, uh, they, they're amazing. It, it, the whole thing, it's just all these characters, this, this caterer and this giant wedding and this one day where everything that can go wrong, staging this wedding does and a million subplots and all these different characters. And they just directed the hell out of this thing. It's really, really impressive staging. Well, it should be because you know what, when you, when you walk around Paris, like I did for th- three Months and also I hooked up with a couple couple of uh, uh, stringers from the Hollywood Reporter. I kind of connected with them a little bit and had a drink with them. You realize that the French film industry kind of sucks right now. A lot of the comedies right. are just lame, stupid, although, farcical crap. Although, but there's good Re- stuff. Return of the Hero, which is farcical crap, I loved. Which is uh, Jean Dujardin and uh, Melanie Laurent. It takes place in 1812. He he plays a kind of this rogue who with a it, it's 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 a yes. farce. It's great. Well, it was it directed He's by the so OSS funny. guy. It was directed by what's his name? No, it wasn't. But my goodness, it's funny. Okay, I'll, I'll buy that. Well, no, I love him. And of course, the OSS films are just fall down and funny. He can, oh, yeah. Look, he can. It basically it's like if somebody dropped uh, you know an OSS film in the middle of Jane Austen. So it's almost like 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 his love and death. Yeah, a little bit. It's just it's really funny. It's basically a Jane Austen scenario, except with that Dujardin guy. That shtick that he does right in the middle of it. And it's just so funny. Well, I don't know. If, if, look, if we have to choose between the French film industry, uh, which is making movies like that, yeah. and the American film industry, uh, how much money did Infinity Wars make this past weekend? Uh, it just uh, crossed a billion dollars. It just crossed a billion dollars. Now, here, we are today, we're recording this on uh, Star Wars Day. May the 4th be with you. And, uh, <laughs> and yes, as of today... Um, Avengers Infinity War has made a billion dollars fastest film to get there worldwide 
amazing. You know, Shall we talk about that for a minute? Because we've all seen it now, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, I've seen and it. Particularly, this is on the heels of Black Panther. Black Panther is one of the films we're going to yeah, talk, talk about today, anyway. Uh, which all kinds of crazy numbers and, yeah. and the first two and, and everything. And then that's, you know, right now, uh, the Star Wars movie. So, I don't know, Infinity Wars. That you saw it. Uh, yeah, I was at the big, the big Disney screening. I saw it. I was, okay. not at the big, I was not at the screening you were at, but uh, I saw it. You know, I, all I can say is I thoroughly enjoyed it. It totally scratched the itch. It's exactly what I was expecting. But at the same time, it's not really filmmaking. It's like a hybrid between video game design and, and filmmaking. And I just sat there thinking the Marvel Universe is utterly and completely ridiculous. I'm enjoying it, but I'm very aware of the fact that somehow in the, the universe, in quotes, as, as Marvel envisions it, it's not like the 2001 universe where there's just em- infinite empty space. Everything is too close. You ever notice that? Planets are like bumping into each other. There's space garbage everywhere. <laughs> it's just like it's, it's really crowded in space in these Marvel movies. Nobody is ever actually in empty, dark, black, infinite space. And it doesn't seem to take them very long to get anywhere. No, it's just, it's just like everything's just colliding with everything else. People Maybe they like have warp speed. They have warp speed. In the middle of stars and it's just crowded. And with all this technology, how do they do battle? They, like, beat each other up with fists and hammers and swords and spears. It, it just... The occasional, certain, the occasional magical stone. Yeah, it's just... At a certain point, I, you know, you just kind of go, I'm, I'm on board, but it's, but it's stupid. No, you know what it is? <laughs> I, I'm on board, dumb. too. My thing with it is, is that it was one of the only Marvel films that felt very blueprinty. It was almost as if... There's this plan, this master plan, and yeah. each individual film was was entertaining on its own. But now I feel like the blueprint has come to this point at this moment, and 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 the blueprint must be adhered to, or the entire universe will fall apart. It didn't well, feel as really if it was hard though, because you it, had, this one is all about character. It, service. It, that's right. That's why. That's, it, it. It, that's why it didn't feel like it was breathing on its own. It felt like it had. Like if you if we thought that the other Marvel films had a purpose, which is to service this sequel and that prequel and that whatever, yeah. this one was like. This was the culmination of 19 films, and it really cannot breathe on its own. It has to be exactly what it needs to be, airtight, or it's and not going to work. At the same time, at the, at the same time, it's not just a setup for its own sequel. It's a setup for another Marvel movie that comes out later this year, I think. Uh, the, the Aquaman? No, 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 no. Uh, no that's I, DC. That's, that's DC. Uh, no, no, well, we can't. I don't want to give it away, but, you know, it's, there's, a, there's another one that's coming. Oh, yeah. Anyway, I don't know. I don't know, guys. I, I, think, uh, I think I might be done. <laughs> I do. I think I might have be. I might be tapped out on my on my superhero universe stuff. I, I just. I. I did not rush. I'm gonna. I'll, I'll check this out. You know, in a, in a couple of days. I didn't need to write about it. I didn't need to see it for the radio show because yeah. you saw it for the radio yeah. show, right? Yeah. Uh, and when I realized I don't need to write about this and I don't need to see it for that radio show, my desire to see it evaporated whole and complete. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm gonna watch that on my big old 4K TV. Yeah. Well, that's what happens when you don't go the opening day. Like, there's like really the the industry is now an opening weekend phenomenon. Now, mm. not only don't they care how it does in the second weekend, you don't care how it. You don't even want to see it. Like by Monday, if you haven't seen it, like meh, what's the next one? Yeah, because you know, it's, and the, the, I will see it. I will see it. Yeah, you'll get around to it. But I'll get around to right, it. Right. Whereas, whereas the, the the studio is they build up this anticipation for this gigantic Friday through Sunday orgasm that grosses a two hundred million dollars. And by Monday, if you didn't see it, you're like, okay, I guess I missed it. I'll watch it on Netflix. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
So, uh, a few other things. Uh, I still don't have finality on Oppo. Mark, do you know about the Oppo news? Has that reached you? Uh, now, yes. Has Oppo gone out of business? Well, they're not out of business. Well, this is the thing. Do they stop making they're players? They're no longer going to, to design and manufacture new products. They'll support the products that they've made, but they're not going to design anything new, which is weird. And like, because normally you would not do that. Normally you'd say, well, we're selling ourselves to Sony. We're selling the technology to somebody who this, that, or the other thing. But no, they're not. They're just kind of pulling the plug on, on development and research. And well, that's weird. Are they, is the company shrinking or will they be, will they be replacing that manpower with something else? No one knows. I have, I've been trying in vain and everyone else has been trying to get some kind of message out of them. And uh, I'm working on it. I'm working on it, but still don't have anything. Uh, also, real quickly... Cohen Media, and we got a couple of Cohen titles to talk about today, including one that I have something very personal to say about. Uh, Cohen Media has launched a, uh, a, a a subscription channel on Amazon channels. This is a thing now. Like how Criterion is available as an extra channel on Filmstruck, there are a lot of other channels that you can get on Amazon that are not part of Amazon Prime. you got to pay extra for them. So for an extra four bucks a month, you could get the uh, the Cohen Film Library. That's and an it's interesting great thing. Stuff. I mean, Cohen even has a deal with uh, local PBS. Maybe it's network PBS. Yeah. Where on Friday, and you know about that, right? Yeah, those Cohen films on Friday. Yeah. So they're really sort of trying to uh, a Criterion kind of thing. Yeah, very Criterion kind of thing. And they got a great library. I mean, a lot of old Silence, and uh, you know, they have the old uh, uh, Rohauer collection there. Uh, and it, there's a lot of stuff, and they've it's it, they're basically trying to emulate the Criterion model, but doing it on Amazon. So I thought that was interesting. Mm. But still, it's an added it's an added it's an added thing. It's an extra Amazon, four bucks a month. A- a- Amazon is is you know it's the ninety nine buck thing, which yeah. I think they're, they're going to one twenty. I heard uh, next year. Yeah, um, one one uh, one ten. Something, Amazon, yeah, yeah. something like that. Yeah. So 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 like I I'm an Amazon guy. I already paid my you know ninety nine yeah. bucks whenever yeah. I paid it. So if I want this, what 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 do I do now? I, you're I, you're I, gonna I, pay an extra like uh, fifty bucks a year. So I just I, I, I just buy it for the whole year because that's know. the whole thing about Amazon. They, yeah, they I think make you can pay for yeah, the whole you can, thing at once. You can, you can buy an, an extra fifty dollars a year gets you all the Cohen stuff. Hmm. I'm getting a little worried that uh, that every little distributor is gonna have like their own five or ten dollar well, a month thing, and before you know it, it'll be just as much as a, as your regular you're cable you're bundle. Two hundred and fifty bucks a month again. Yeah, yeah. Which is what you know. That's what well, the hell I was trying to get away from. What What's going to happen is you will eventually have online aggregators, right? Where hey, we're you know sign up with us and we will bring you this that this that and this that discounted, and now we're bringing you a bundle. So it's like what you get out of your cable operator, except you won't be going to your your monopoly, your local cable or or, or satellite monopoly. You'll be you know, you'll have your pipe, you'll pay your, you know, 60 bucks a month to your cable company to get online, and then you get these aggregators who'll give you your package. So that'll, that's how it's going to I, I think we're going to end up with, like, Jim Jarmusch channels. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> why not? You know, $2 I'd $2 watch that. Month, all the that, Jim Jarmusch how, movies you ever want to see. That's how it is on Sirius Radio. Sirius Radio, you subscribe to Sirius Radio in the car, and, and along with that, you will get things like, uh, and of course, it's not all a cart, but you, you'll, you'll, you'll get, like, they have the, uh, they have the Fleetwood Mac channel now. I had no idea. They, they they have the Bruce Springsteen channel. Oh, Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> had they, no idea. Yeah, it's really kind of weird. Like uh, the Elvis channel. Okay, that's fine. I get it. The Sinatra channel. That's fine. I get it. Fleetwood Mac. Is there enough to sustain a whole channel? <laughs> there, you look, have you listened to look every every twenty four seven Fleetwood Mac? When I came back to L.A., In right mind. When I came back to L.A., I I'm borrowing a, a family friend's car, yeah. which means I am listening to the radio. <laughs> 
like yeah. classic rock radio for the first time in seven months because yeah. I was in Paris and yeah. I wasn't driving. They play the same seven songs oh, yeah. over and over again. So Fleetwood Mac has had whatever, half a dozen albums and even more live albums and whatnot. There's plenty to sustain Fleetwood Mac. All right. And before we move into DVDs and Blu-rays, uh, last bit. Gentlemen, uh, the Academy, as of, in, in all, you know, however, what are, what are we at? 90-some years of the Academy Awards. The Academy's been around in like 90-some years. In 90-some years, they didn't expel anybody for about the first 80. And then they expelled a guy for pirating. And then last year, they kicked out Harvey Weinstein. And just this week, they, they kicked out Bill Cosby and Roman Polanski. On the same day. On the same day. Apparently for, for the, all this, the new morals clause and all this. Now... I, I'm going to say, as much as I support all this house cleaning, I don't like the idea of suddenly retroactivity here, where the Academy is saying, well, we have a new morals clause, and anyone who offended that at any time in the past, we're going to kick you out, and we're going to do it on a really, really kind of ad hoc basis as we see. Like, now, what, what, what does not get you kicked out? I, I, I'm not clear on the rules. And I, I know the Polanski situation is very hazy. It all took, that's decades ago. It's, it, it, it was resolved until a judge changed, it had a change of heart and a change of mind. Mm-hmm. It's a very, very well, legally people, pe- fuzzy people, thing. People get the Plansky thing very... It's, it's very fuzzy. A, he pled guilty. He pled guilty. B, he actually went to jail for a second. He did. He uh, did his time. A, a deal was made. Yeah. Uh, deal was broken. He split. And has been gone ever since. Now, so, yeah. but, but 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 the fact is, yeah, he was guilty of the actual thing, uh, which but, he said so. But you know, a lot of people in the academy are guilty of actual uh, things if, and if, have if, done time. If if if, if, if so, so 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 that. And now, Bill, on the other hand. Uh, Bill still claims uh, to be innocent. Was adjudicated in, and found guilty. Adjudicated but has not and exhausted found his, his appeals process. What happens if he goes to the appeals process and it's thrown out? Do they let him back in? See, there are all these. I'm, I'm not clear on what are what the new rules are. Well, every every I'm not co- clear on this. well every company that you sign with, and the academy is a company in the in the context that I'm yes. I'm advancing, but they have a morals clause. Yes, like you hear about. And you hear about an employee for a company who goes on a racist rant on the subway and they get fired. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because now. What happens if uh, Tom Hanks goes on a racist rant on, on a subway? Now, we love Tom Hanks. He would only do it for a role. But let's say, let's say that, 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 that some you know, B-level Academy member, a producer, whatever, get, goes on a racist rant on the subway. Yeah. That sounds pretty horrible to me. Yeah. Should they get thrown out? I don't know. It just seems like, it just seems like a weird, slippery slope. The only thing we can all agree on is Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> the only thing we can all agree on is Harvey Weinstein. But, but the thing is, Harvey, they, they kicked him out before there was any kind of um, due process. Which I think everybody felt okay about because it all blew up in the media. We were all part of the, 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 you know, the, the judge and jury at that time. And it all felt like, yeah, this is justified. But now, what are we going to do about Kevin Spacey? Or Woody I mean, Allen. Or, well, yeah, and Woody Allen has always denied it. And he's never been, you know, that's always, I mean, and what about people who have assaulted people? Like these, Sean Penn has like these, punched these, people. Yeah, Mark Wahlberg threw a, threw a kid out of a, off of a, a yeah. balcony. Look, yeah. these things are all extremely complicated. But I think what's really going on here doesn't really have anything to do um, with whether or not uh, the, the law or legalities have been involved. I was in the Air Force for a long time. Uh, and you could be punished for simply bringing shame or uh, scrutiny on your flight, 
on you. It just didn't make any difference whether or not you did it, right? Yeah. Um, you brought shame on us. Doesn't make any difference whether or not yeah. the thing actually happened. You brought shame on us, and for that, you will be punished. Now, that kind of went away uh, for a while there in the military, but I always liked that. I got to tell you, the, the entire time I was in the Air Force Academy, just thinking that you would bring shame on your flight was yeah. enough to keep you from bringing shame on your flight because you knew what was going to happen to you. And I get that, you, you and I think e- that's You great. didn't even get in the shadow of it at, at, at all. And I don't know, it was a very, very powerful well, tool. What about that? But the retroactivity concerns me a little retroactivity bit. Retroactivity is a that I'm I'm really struggling with. It, so. it just doesn't seem like look if if, if you're if, the, if, the, if there's a forty hour uh, forty mile per hour speed limit and you go forty five miles an hour that's pretty obvious. Yeah, you went over the speed limit yeah. and you're gonna get a ticket. Yeah, who's judge, jury, and executioner on uh, the academy and what are they uh, what are they basing the it on? Board of governors and what they're basing it on is, is nothing. Uh, is arbitrariness? Oh, what they're probably basing it on is public reaction if they don't act. Yeah. That's the issue. Yeah, which, which of course, if you think about it, they are at the end of the day, they are a big, gigantic publicist organization for the for the that's movie. The movie. That's all they. Are. Yeah, absolutely. So, so if that's what they do, then that this is actually them doing that. Yeah. They, they're looking at uh, society. They're looking at and they're saying, you know, how does this look? This is what publicists do. This there looks bad. What do we got to do? We got to do something to make it look better. And they do. They, or at least they think they have done something to make it look better because that's the only thing they're doing anyway. It's trying to figure out how to make Hollywood look good. Right. So they yep. do the thing that makes Hollywood look good and doesn't really have anything to do with whether or not it's fair. Well, the, it has to do with whether or not it makes us look good. Well, the issue is that the Academy is, you know, whether it's smoke and mirrors or not, is this august body that represents the entire art form, right? So what they do is more important than what, uh, whatever Rogers and Cowan does. Yeah. You know, so the, so you almost, they, they, almost re, they almost have this, this, this bedrock reputation as representing the art form itself. So whatever they do reflects on the entire industry. Right, so I'm just a little worried that if they start throwing people out based on the fact that uh, you know a woman had a bad date with Aziz Ansari and Aziz Ansari gets thrown out of the academy, not that he's in the academy, but that yeah. would be really bad. Well, it's uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, what, what do you say? You say if, if if you're convicted of a felony, you get thrown out. Yeah, maybe it's a I felony versus misdemeanor thing. I don't know, but they got They got to delineate it. All right, let's move into discs. We're, uh, we're 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 half an hour into the show as of right now. So um, let's start off on some new movies. Mark, chime in as you feel need, oh, you, you need to. You know what? I'm glad that you're starting with the best new movie you have well, to talk. Once again, I've, look, I've been gone for seven months, and you still do the same thing, which is talk about the start by talking about the lamest movie I, you have in no, your pile. This is look, Kate Blanchett in uh, Manifesto. I oh, want to get this out of the way right now. I love her. Okay, I love Kate Blanchett. Watching Kate Blanchett is like watching fully clothed porn. I love Kate Blanchett. Love but, her. But Manifesto, I do not love. Manifesto is an experimental film uh, from Julian Rosenfeld, who's an experimental artist. Uh, basically, all this, it's called Manifesto. All this is, they went and they compiled a bunch of literary manifestos, all kinds of manifestos. It includes like the Communist Manifesto, the Dogma 95 Manifesto, any man, anything that was ever written that was called a manifesto. That, that, that homie out in the, uh, out in the, out in the, out in the uh, cabin out I there? Might even be. I think yeah. they use some of that too. I, I can't, the, 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 the Unabomber deal. Yeah. And all these manifestos, I can't keep track of them. Anyway, there's, there's like 16 of them. And they shoot Kate Blanchett reciting each one in a different dramatic vignette. So she'll be like some kind of a news person or she'll be a homeless person or she'll be a guy or she'll be a this or a that and a different... It's like, it's like 16 different... Or she's like in a toxic waste thing with a hazmat suit on. All these different scenarios and they intercut all of them together in this just ridiculous feature-length haphazard monstrosity. It's totally experimental. It's arduous. I love Kate Blanchett, but all I could think was, 
who the hell paid for this? <laughs> Which is a good question. Or at least the vignettes related to the manifestos. Is, is there connectivity? Yeah, I guess there, maybe there is. I, no, I checked yeah, yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. I checked out really early on this one. <laughs> I just kind of sat there, looked at my watch, counted the ceiling tiles. It was a bad scene. Uh, anyway, you want to go from that to uh, to to uh, Mark's favorite uh, movie of last? Yeah. You know, somewhere there is a woman who thinks that the Fifty Shades trilogy is just the, is just so sexy it should be banned. That there should be like a like a book burning Fahrenheit four fifty one bonfire. Of these they're 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 so incredibly horribly just sexy and X-rated and pornographic. I don't know who that woman is, but she's crazy. Because uh, not only, not only are these not only can you see worse than this. Uh, in, 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 in like on like Nickelodeon, as far as I'm concerned. But the movies are terrible. So now we have Fifty Shades Freed, which is the uh, 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 mercifully last uh, film in this trilogy. I, it really should say audience freed, because they're finally freed from caring about this crap. Um, and so is Jamie Dorman, Dornan, who was never very good in these. He's not, he doesn't smolder. He doesn't just give you that thing where you just feel like women would just do anything for him. She's terrific, uh, Dakota Johnson. She's hopefully will be a star. You know, she's kind of... She was the breakout when the first film happened, and now she's sort of like settling in, and hopefully she'll be a big star. She's just like her mom. She has the exact same thing her mom had, you know, 35 years ago. Confidence, uh, a sort of um, litheness. Uh, She's very girly. She's crazy comfortable naked. Which is yeah, it's a problem. Which is which is you know, Melanie was comfortable naked. It, yeah. Which is the thing. Not everybody is, is comfortable with that kind of thing. And she's not actually pretty. Uh, I mean, if you think about Purdy, looks think like about a dad. Margot Robbie. Yeah, she looks more like Don Johnson, you know. Yeah. But something about that makes her sexy. She looks here's, like a girl I could actually talk to. It's what here's, it is. here's the question that really, really keeps me awake at night. If Dakota Johnson and Dakota Fanning were in a movie together, <laughs> which one would be North Dakota and which would be South Dakota? You, are you saying that they're a lesbian relationship and one's on top and one's... No, it was a dumber joke than that. It was really a very simple joke. There, there, there is no joke dumber than what yeah. you just said. Anyway, so these movies are dreadful. You know what? I, I, I remember seeing it's the... It's fr- 4K. I, and this is unrated. Oh my gosh, it's unrated 4K. It's like they come no out of the TV. His penis comes out of the TV? And they give you a Me Too thing. They, you want to join in? That's what happened. I remember seeing the first one at a screening, and the and the first the first one it was it was a screening in Hollywood, and literally half the audience were these giggling women, who just could not wait to see the first film and just really just had their little Sex in the City moment. In the end, it was just terrible. They were laughing. Yeah, what are you yeah, gonna do? What you go. this? Hostels, man. Um, Favorite movie of last year. You, a, a very, really? A, a, yep. very, a, very, a very strong movie, that's for sure. Wes Studi in this movie. Wes Studi has the same Love face this in this movie. movie that he had when he played Geronimo in 1992 or I whatever know. the hell it was. Right. Or for that matter, uh, uh, Dance with Wolves. Uh, Dance with all those. Same yeah. movie. Face has not changed at all, and, and he's, he still looks like he could kill me. <laughs> uh, I'm almost certain that that's true. I, I love this film. I love this film with such a passion. Uh, uh, well, yeah. you, you, look, it's a very, very strong film. It's yeah. a very, very dark film, bloody film, violent film, uh, representation of the Takes place in 1892. Yeah, you know, uh, Indian Wars, uh, uh, Cavalrymen and his team, um, uh, a family uh, out on the range, Indian attack, uh, it's just all so brutal, brutal, brutal. And it's, a, be- and it's, a ro- it's, it's, a, it's an existential journey. It's a road trip. I mean, here's the thing that I love about this movie. And and there are a lot of other little tangents to it, but basically Christian Bale is a is a is a cavalry officer soon to basically be leaving the cavalry, who uh, whose last job is to escort a um, a Native American, uh, an old chief, an, an old, old chief that he has history with and not good history, who's been a prisoner for a long time. Basically, take him back to you know he's been freed, has to take him back to his his home, 
And um, it is very literally a mythic journey that they undertake. And what I love about this is, is that every time something happens where you think, and this is Scott Cooper who, who did uh, Crazy Heart and, and other fine films, uh, who directed this. Um, every time something happens and you go, oh, I know where this movie's going. This is the twist that takes us in this direction. It doesn't. Mm. And then something else happens. You go, ah, now we're going in that direction. And it doesn't. And, and you realize that all these things have different meanings. And they're all, it's, it, it's literally a mythic odyssey where everything is symbolic and meaningful on a, on a much higher level. Uh, this film is profound to me. And I think people really didn't get it. Although, I want to give a shout out. You know, I did it on the radio too. I'm going to do it again. Entertainment Studios, Byron Allen's company, which, uh, you know, quite nearly won the giant bidding war a couple of years ago for uh, The Birth of a Nation. Mm. Uh, they put this out. They just put out Chappaquiddick. They're getting some high-profile pictures, and they're putting some big titles out. And, they're, they, you know, they're not quite in the groove uh, to go toe-to-toe with some of these other companies. Yeah, but, one, you know, Warner Brothers or whatever. But they're, swing, they're yeah. swinging for the bleachers. Oh, hey, dude, it's a Christian Bale film. You know? it's, 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 Bale. A, it's a big, powerful movie. Yeah. And... Um, Look uh, out for entertainment studios. Uh, special feature, A Journey of the Soul, The Making of Hostiles. Now, minute documentary on the back of that movie. Now, Scott Cooper, I believe, is directing that uh, Martin Luther King assassination film. Uh, it'll be great if he is. He's a, he's a hell of a director. Yeah, yeah. Hey, look, he, he finally won. Now, I, I'm going to say he finally won Jeff Bridges the Oscar he has long deserved. Yeah. Of course, it was sort of Jeff's time in a way, but yet he was great in the film. And yeah. uh, I think that Bridges owes uh, Scott Cooper a uh, big, 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 big in, thank you. He does. Indeed, he does. Was not a fan of Black Mass. No, I wasn't either. No, that was, yeah, I yeah. am a fan of Out of the Furnace. Uh, 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 yeah, Christian, yeah, Christian Bale film. Yeah. Uh, 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 so you know, like that. Yeah. But nevertheless, yeah, uh, Antlers. Yeah. Uh, what do we got next? Uh, well, let me let me talk about Black Panther for a second. Mark and I were talking about this uh, a little while ago. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah, this is number the, number two domestic film of all time. Well, right well now. You know, the numbers that we were yeah. just talking about with Infinity War. So yeah. the, the, what that wiped out was this. Yeah. Uh, and uh, but nevertheless, this was did incredibly well. It'll be interesting to see when we wander around to Academy Award time whether or not this film, in a lot of categories, frankly. Yeah. I think that this film is perfectly worthy. Certainly, um, I think Michael B. Jordan, best supporting actor. Yeah. Uh, this screenplay is very strong to me. If you it pay is. attention to the screenplay, it's very, it's very, it's, it's strong screen, it's screenplay. It's one, it's one of the very few. You know, there's there's a there's a great mashup online that that uh, kind of pokes fun at Doctor Strange because it's a, it's effectively Iron Man mm. all over again. Mm. I don't know if you've seen it, just different different guy, different goatee. It's really, <laughs> it's really, it's quite funny. You know, has to do this and wrestle with this and all this stuff, and you realize basically the same movie. And most of the Marvel movies are kind of templated in a way. They, they're following a very particular pattern, a very certain, but there are a handful that don't. The first Guardians of the Galaxy mm-hmm. did not. This one does not. And I would say until all the other movies started copying it, Iron Man, the first Iron Man did not. Those are kind of the only three. Really. Because I, those, yeah. those are left-turned films. They're left-turned Be- films. Because b- before Guardians, nobody thought that the Marvel films would have the kind of sense of humor that... That they wind up yeah. displaying in Guardians, yeah. they're getting too serious and it's too much. And Guardians comes and he's and Chris Pratt is given the is, is given the camera the middle finger and it's it's great. You needed that film at that time. Yeah. Somehow Marvel's very good at knowing exactly when to yeah. breathe and exactly when to tense up. Yeah. They're very good at that. To what happens over in that DC universe? Yeah, which, uh, where it's just one gigantic clenched yeah, fist is horrible. Just, you know, and um, then <laughs> with but with Black Panther was what what I loved about Black Panther is that I felt as if I was really 
it was all about the culture of this world that they lived in, and the yeah. culture in the world felt richer than any other Marvel film. Yeah, yeah. And, was, more so even than Thor. Thor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, Thor. much more than Thor. Here, yeah. you, you, you felt the politics and the, the yeah. social... I, I, it, it was very clever in that way. The very bright thing that uh, young Ryan Coogler does with this movie is, is he gives it the movie called Black Panther. He gives the movie to the girls. Yeah. Uh, it's the girls. It's true, right? Uh, uh, that saved the day. The, the women in this movie save his ass like five times. <laughs> <laughs> he gets, he, the Black Panther gets his ass kicked and some chick has to come in and go, dude, will you get up? What the hell is going on here? And his mom has to save his ass. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm watching this movie from the perch of a young black man, yeah. or an older black man now, but a guy who used to be a young black yeah. man. I'm like, yeah, that's, the way, that's pretty much it. Yeah. My mom, my sister, my wife saved my ass for 50 years and he got that right because he is the son of a single mother. Yeah. Uh, very, very good movie. 4K, uh, all kinds of fabulous stuff on it. So, you know, check it out. Black Great. Panther. Can I, can I can't say one more thing about Black Panther? Yeah. So the Marvel, the Marvel pixie dust, there's such a bottomless well of Marvel pixie dust that in Avengers, right? Yeah. The big climactic battle takes place on Wakanda. Can you imagine if Black Panther like bombed? Oh, man. <laughs> but like not only did it was this amazing success, but now we want more of Wakanda. Yeah. And the movie that they, they, when they were shooting this film, they didn't know the Black Panther would be huge. Tell you something. This is, this is, I, you know, I've made fun of Kevin Feige in the past, but this is where the fact that he's a lifelong Marvel nerd really, really shows that he's, he's, he's the auteur behind this. This is a case of an executive being an auteur. And the individual films are not the, the achievement. It's the, the landscape, the tapestry of all of this. I'm sitting there in the crowded 1100 seat El Capitan with press people. Cynical, cynical-ass press people who see four and five movies projected every week, and they sit there and they text and check their watches, and they're not into movies. As soon as that moment in Avengers, a little bit of a spoiler here coming, where you know they say like, "We need to find a place," and blah 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 blah, and 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 uh, and Captain America goes, "I know." <laughs> Cut to coming into Wakanda. That was 1,100 people going, woo, screaming. It was like we are home, baby. Look, when, that, I, when, when that, you see when you see when you see cute little white girls uh, on the street talking about Wakanda forever, <laughs> you, you're throwing the hood. You know, I'm yeah. like, you know what? This is a win. It is. This a win. is a wonderful it's a win. win. It's a fantastic win. Like I'm going I'm to knock out a couple of other 4Ks here real quickly. A uh, new film and an older film. The older film, Source Code, with Jake Gyllenhaal, just released in 4K from uh, Summit, and looks beautiful in 4K. I, you know, this film, uh, great performances, Jake Gyllenhaal, Michelle Monaghan, Vera Farmiga, uh, a, a, one of those kind of virtual reality things, a little bit of a Groundhog Day vibe to it, uh, trying to figure out, you know, what's real and what isn't as he relives this, uh, this terrorist event over and over. And um, Duncan Jones, of course. Duncan, uh, uh, yeah, what happened to Duncan Jones? Come on, I know. I know. But but you know what? Uh, it, it's a sharp movie, but for some reason, it didn't really catch fire at the time. And um, 4K, looking at it again, you know, uh, you, you I, I I think this movie should have a shelf life. I think people should find and remember this movie over time. I think this is going to. I think this may gather a little bit of momentum. Over, you know, very, very slowly. It'll become kind of a cult favorite. Yeah. Um, it didn't really catch fire. Still hasn't really caught fire. But I think over time it'll it'll do well. Um, the other film is Peter Rabbit. Uh, the uh, mostly CGI, but CGI and live action mixed thing that uh, from Will Gluck, which is just absolutely rancid and horrendous. So they, they, they're basically taking the literary Peter Rabbit 
and uh, mutilating the daylights out of it to the point where it's completely and totally unrecognizable. And uh, it all takes place present day, and it's got pop music, and they've changed the characters up, and it's just so tangential to the, 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 the actual original material. I, I, this thing is virtually unwatchable. And it includes an all-new Peter Rabbit mini-movie, which I'm going to assume is probably equally unwatchable. So uh, this is on 4K, but honestly, unless you saw this thing in the theater and your kids said, I want to have it on 4K, don't, don't. <laughs> I can't imagine uh, this being justified. Uh, where are we going? Where are we going? Uh, let's see. Uh, where else? Uh, we, we have a giveaway, by the way. Um, We've got some classics there. we got some classics. Let's, let's kick out some classics. Uh, got three from Olive here. And uh, they're all worthwhile. One of them is unbelievably worthwhile. Let me just make mention first of Joe. Oh, John Edelson. You know, yeah, Joe, right? good movie. This is one of... The, I'm gonna, with all due respect to Rocky, which I do think is an overrated film, might this be John Edelson's best movie? Mm, easily. You think? I, I think so. Yeah. I think well, so, too. Definitely one of the best. Despite put, away, put aside Rocky, put aside Karate Kid, which I really love. Put aside The Power of One, which is... Basically, Rocky and the Karate Kid all over again with Stephen Dorff uh, in South Africa. And uh, I think this is a great movie. I well, really do. This is from 1970. Peter, Peter Boyle is the thing. So good. Uh, you know, he's the he's same. He's great. Good. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's, this became, you know, this got a, it got a screenplay nomination uh, for Norman Rex, Wexler, who is just one of the all-time great, uh, great screenwriters. I, it, it really is Susan Sarandon, so young and so ter- uh, just tremendous in this. Um, I really, I think this is a really, really great film. It's just a great character piece, right? That's that's all it is. Yeah, it was it was it was a coming out for him. It was it, it's it, like this Marty. is this it's is like nineteen. Marty. It's a Marty kind of a thing. Nineteen seventy. That's the thing. It's nineteen seventies during that time when that this moment. Yeah. that moment when you're it's gritty and urban and rich with character. Yeah. It's great. All about verisimilitude and truth. Uh, uh, you you had him. Yeah. Uh, you had Schlesinger. You had uh, uh, Altman. Yeah. Uh, none of those movies could be made today. No. Can't make that movie well, today. Cannot not as a major motion picture release. Uh, another one from all of his mermaids, uh, Richard Benjamin, back when he kind of knew how to make movies, uh, from 1990. He's, not, he's still around, isn't he? Richard? Oh, he's oh yeah, yeah, he's still around, definitely. He hasn't directed anything in 20 years. I don't know why, my um, favorite year. Yeah, well, 1990, Mermaids, uh, Cher, Winona Ryder, Bob Hoskins, uh, terrific little movie. I, I think and young, it's, and young, uh, I, I love that movie. Yeah, I think this movie works better now than it did then. I, I think, I think um, Cher was a little bit too big in 1990, uh, and I think her celebrity overwhelmed the movie. And I think people carried all of these, all this baggage around with Cher movies. And, oh, Cher's in another movie. So Cher's in, oh, Cher's, you know, and and they didn't, they couldn't see through Cher. And you look at this now. And I can see through mm. her persona, and it just it works better as a nice little character piece, little family piece. It's quirky. Winona Ryder's first big thing, right? Yep. yep, yep. Christina her. Ricci, young Christina Ricci. Young Christina Ricci. I, I, yeah. I will point out again: cannot release that as a major motion picture today. That's what right. that? Couldn't do it. No, couldn't do it. No, wouldn't do it. And uh, you know, great music by Jack Nietzsche. I. Uh, it's, a, it's a fun film, and Bob Hoskins so sweet. Yeah. Uh, and then the last one here. I I don't know why. I I, I applaud Olive for putting this out. I don't know why this didn't get a big, just kick-ass master 4K special edition release from Sony. I don't know why they didn't bother, because Hope and Glory is one of the great films of all time. Hope and Glory is an amazing movie, nominated for a heap of Academy Awards. There are no extras on this, by the way, so I, I don't know what the point is. Uh, but, but the movie itself is amazing. Got a ton of Academy Awards in the most amazing year of 1987, 
which is the year that the uh, Last Emperor won. Yeah. But Hope and Glory was right in there. John Borman, it's such a great film. It's an amazing And it's based on Borman's uh, recollections. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, my mother, of course, was, you know, grew up during World War II, same, basically the same age as, as, as Borman, except she was in Germany and he was in, in England. But I remember seeing this with my mother and all those moments where the kids celebrate because there's an air raid siren because now they get to they get to skip class and run down into the uh, into the shelter and I remember my mother was laughing and she said same thing happened to us we'd hear that we'd hear the bombing raid parents you know and, and the adults would freak out and we'd celebrate because now we get to skip class and just go down to the shelter and sit there until the uh, the <laughs> sirens go off um, you know it's fascinating that 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 cultural commonality anyway it, it all based on his uh, his World War II childhood going to his grandparents out in the country uh, you know, it's just it's a wonderful, wonderful movie in every conceivable way. I, I just, I, I love it every through and through. You know, the 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 performances are great, the direction's great, the screenplay is great, absolutely great film. But it does deserve a special edition. It deserves 4K. It deserves a lot of extras, especially a commentary while Borman is still alive. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful movie. It's alive. Yeah. Trilogy, which uh, it's alive. It's alive again. Yeah. Island. Of the alive, yeah. <laughs> you got to love those titles at least. Love them. This movie, these movies right here, the first one anyway, are it's why I don't have children. <laughs> uh, that, that's it right there. I love the first movie. It's on the box, it's a great movie. But yes, yeah, it's still, but it's still Rosemary's Baby kind of yeah, sort of. Larry Cohen, you know, yeah. doing his thing. Yeah. Larry, uh, who gave us uh, Black Caesar. And we've uh, interviewed him on this show. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you guys we interviewed him a few months. Fantastic. Back. So anyway, uh, the three box set out of Shout Factory, all kinds of special fi- uh, features, two K scans. From the original film elements, uh, and uh, uh, Larry, who's still around, of course, uh, is, it's on here in a little documentary, and uh, the actors uh, are all on here. Michael Moriarty is fantastic, so it's alive. If you're into that, you want to go do it. Blu-ray, three disc set. All right, and uh, let's see. I'm going to um... wait. Why, why don't I talk about Saving Private Ryan? Yes, do that. While you, you do that. What? By the way. We have a giveaway. Folks. What? We have a giveaway of the, what Mark's going to talk about right now. I'm going to tell you. It's 4K, Saving Private Ryan. We're giving away two, courtesy of Paramount Pictures. Send us an email to godsatdigigods.com or godsatcinegods.com with Ryan in the subject, your name and address in the body. Get it to us by May 11th. May 11th is the deadline. Get it to us by May 11th. And uh, two very lucky people will get a 4K Blu-ray of Saving Private Ryan. Again, Ryan in the subject line, name and address in the body. Mark, talk about 4K Private Ryan. It's fantastic. You know, everybody knows Private Ryan from, of course, that... That you know, first forty-five minutes. But once you get once you get past the first forty-five minutes, it's still a great film. And the thing with Private Ryan, when you look at it, look at it in the scope of Spielberg's career, you still get a sense that he is just bone deep motivated by the material. Mm. The material means something to him. You know, would that and, be the beginning of his World War II run? What was the World War? Did he do well, a World War II? Empire of the Sun. Empire, Empire of the Sun, which was the same yeah. same year as as uh, Hope and Glory and Last Emperor. Okay, yeah, and and Au Revoir Les Enfants. Those were all the movies about childhood and World War II. Right? But Empire of the Sun is great. Empire of the Sun is terrific too. Yeah, that's good too. Yeah. And of course, uh, you know uh, uh, Schindler's List. But uh, but with with I've never seen even with Jaws I've never seen Spielberg so just viscerally excited about the idea of staging a scene when he does that that st- storming on the beach it's, it's it's the it's the great look the longest day has the greatest staging of D Day from an epic vantage you're watching it you're looking at it you're saying that is an amazing recreation of the invasion it's amazing I mean four different four major directors you know working on that film Saving Private Ryan you're in it you're part of it. No, one's el- no one else has ever done it. No one will ever do it again. 
But there was a certain, you know, because you know Spielberg is so sentimental, you know. And I remember there was a shot in that in in that first forty five minutes when the storm in the beach. It was it was a uh, it was a soldier. He's on the shore. He's on his knees, and he gets shot in the head. But his helmet saves him. Yeah. And then he takes off his helmet to marvel at how his helmet saved his life. And then he gets shot in the head again. Yeah. And dies. Yeah. And when that happened, I was like, oh, my God. Like, Spielberg is like, <laughs> he is not fooling around. Yeah. This is a Spielberg we've never seen before. No. You know, and this, again, this is back when he was very motivated by the material. You just felt his, you just felt his, his desire to do it right. And, and even though, here's the thing. I mean, I, I do like the film. Uh, I prefer Thin Red Line, the Malick film, which came out the same year. Both well, of them got well, nominated for a heap. I mean, I mean they, that was the big fight. You know, are, are you a Saving Private Ryan guy or are you a Thin Red Line I guy? I, I, I love them both, but I was a Malik guy. Malik understood. Well, there's a mistake in there's a mistake in yeah. Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, you and I have talked about this, yeah. and you phrased it perfectly. And I'm going to let you. Yeah, do I'm, it right not, now. I'm, I'm, I'm not even going to go there. I'll well, what is one. it, <laughs> Uncle Tim. Well, Tim? I I will I will quote it. Tim Tim said to me uh, right after we saw it. He said he said you know what, the only person who should not get saved in Saving Private Ryan is Private Ryan. I don't think Spielberg was ever, Spielberg was never that he, much he, of a, know how to do it. Of a defeatist. Do it. He, doesn't, he doesn't have it in his heart. No. Malik knows better. Yeah. Malik knows you got to kill Private Ryan. Yeah. He dies. Yeah. He's the one motherfucker in this movie who absolutely has to die. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, but Spielberg don't have that in his heart. Be, yet. No, because the guy... Same thing, same thing in... Uh, uh, Schindler's uh, List with the red girl. Yeah. He just he yeah, doesn't... Just the girl it. with the red... Uh, yeah, but he can't do it. He can't. That's, that's just not him. But also with Thin Red Line, not only is it, is it terrific, but it's also that the return of Malick, the existential yeah. take on war. It was a whole different thing. Yeah. But there really are two great films. 4K, Private Ryan, man. Looks, looks great. If you don't have it, if you don't have it, how can you not get it now? All right, I'm going to uh, crank through some uh, kid bit here real quickly. Just uh, make mention of some things that you, if you have kids like I do, I have a child, uh, you might want to get some of these. Wacky Races, Start Your Engines, uh, 10 episodes of the Wacky Races. Um, that's really all you need. Uh, Wacky Races was a fun show for me when I was a kid. I don't I know love if kids... the Wacky Races. Uh, you know what? I liked it too. I admit it. I don't know if kids today will necessarily like it the way that we liked it, but uh, you know, it, it was a lot of fun and all the different cars and it, it didn't really ever matter who was winning. It was just all the shenanigans going on. It was it was a cartoon version of the Great Race and uh, it was a whole lot of fun. I, I, I loved that the bad guys would win. Yeah, exactly. And uh, you know, Muttley always slayed me. <laughs> so anyway, this is. Uh, this is, and actually, this is the, this is the, uh, you know, it's just, it's the wacky races, man. It's great. Uh, so, uh, ten episodes, and uh, have fun with it. Uh, then we also have from Warner Brothers, we, uh, who also did great uh, wacky races, is uh, Batman and Mr. Freeze, Sub-Zero. Uh, this is another original DC movie, and uh, animated, of course, and uh, I, I, it's, it's, it's sharp. It's not one of the best ones, but it's, uh, it is interesting and uh, intriguingly written. And I wish the people who write these—I've said this before—I um, wish they would write the uh, the feature films. They they should take hold of the DC universe because they would fix it. But um, Batgirl is in this, and uh, you know Robin is is cooler than he's been in a very very long time. And uh, it's all really really well done and nicely animated. Uh, PBS Kids. I have a whole ton from PBS Kids. This stuff skews very very young. Um, but my, my daughter has really liked a lot of this stuff, and uh, I, I think you really can't go wrong. PBS I just don't just, like that animation. It's, it's too animation, clean and it, 3D. It is, it's, just, yeah. it's not great animation, uh, most of it, except for the Canadian one, which is just insane. But uh, you know what? Here's the thing. We got Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood, Best of Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood, Recipe for Fun Collection, if you like that. 
Uh, Word World, Building Readers, Let's Eat, which is really good. I mean, it's very, very helpful in learning words. Uh, the Wild Kratts, which is one of my least favorite and, and least favorite in terms of animation, to Madagascar Madness. Uh, it's kind of, you know, it's fun but a little bit pointless. There are four episodes on there. Uh, Caillou Goes Camping. They have said, and there are 12 episodes on here, they have said that Caillou is great for kids' cognitive development. I don't know how insane they are. Uh, <laughs> seriously, that's nuts. Caillou is just, it's, it's Canadian animation. He's bald. Uh, he never gets hair. It, it, none of it makes any sense. It's very weird. The way that there's always a frame, this weird kind of cloudy frame, but for some reason they say this is the kind of animation that helps kids uh, develop cognitive skills. I don't understand it. I'll take their word for it. Caillou goes camping. Knock yourselves out. Peg Plus Cat is great for learning mathematics. Uh, my daughter enjoys Peg Plus Cat. She prefers Sarah and Duck, which is British. But uh, there are four episodes on here. Peg Plus Cat, the big dog problem. Uh, very funny. I gotta say, this, and this is you know all about solving math problems. Cat. The voice of Cat is one of the funniest things I've ever heard. I know I've said that before, but it's great. And then uh, lastly is Pinkalicious and Peterific in Pink Imagine It. Uh, this is really strictly for girls, even though there's a boy in here. This is six episodes of very, very girly stuff with Pinkalicious. Uh, if you haven't seen it, it is just dripping with girlness. So six episodes of Pinkalicious. And... Then from the Lego world, we have two, I still don't get this stuff, but we've got two, uh, two Lego releases, both of them DC Heroes, uh, one on DVD, one on Blu-ray. The Blu-ray is the better one. It's The Flash. This is from DC Comics Superheroes, their agreement with Lego. Uh, it's Blu-ray, DVD, and digital copy, meaning movies anywhere, combo. And I guess if you're into the whole you know, DC Lego thing, you will really thoroughly enjoy this. It even has the dogs bat dog and the super dog reverse flashes in this it's 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 you know wonder woman shows up it's kind of fun uh and then the other one is super villain high this is on blu-ray or not blu-ray it's on dvd this is the dc superhero girls it's less lego-y uh they are they are more sort of human looking and less you know the the actual lego things that you have in the other lego movies which makes it a little more kind of enjoyable from an aesthetic standpoint but it's uh it's still very very silly it's it all takes place in you know the superhero high school and you got supergirl and batgirl and wonder woman and and you know they got to fight catwoman cheetah and poison ivy because they're all now you know mean girls in the school it's kind of silly <laughs> uh nickelodeon a couple from nickelodeon uh paw patrol this is really popular with boys my god daughter's not into this at all paw patrol summer rescues uh, which is a whole bunch of episodes just about dogs surfing and, and doing other fun things that dogs do. And then Bubble Guppies, which I thoroughly enjoy because uh, they sing. They sing. They're like, they're like uh, Josie and the Pussycats. They, they have cute little tunes. Uh, Bubble Guppies is Bubble Puppies Awesome Adventures, which is all about the little mermaid puppy dog who, uh, you know, who's, who's having adventures of his own. Uh, there are five episodes here very specifically centered around that little bubble puppy. And then the last batch here, these are all kind of interesting one-offs you might want to uh, take, a, take a look at. Uh, there is Tad, The Lost Explorer and The Secret of King Midas, which is, comes also with Ultraviolet. This is from Paramount. This is kind of like an animated Indiana Jones riff. Uh, it's okay. It's not bad. Uh, you know, serviceable. Uh, Condorito, the movie from Aranak Studios, with uh, some decent voice casting. Uh, it's you know, it's it's sort of what you'd expect. It's it's knockoff uh, 
wannabe Pixar. Uh, I, I, you know, uh, give it give it a look if you know you don't have anything better to do. Uh, <laughs> Disney Puppy Dog Pals. That's from Disney Junior. Uh, this is just more fun, cute dog stuff with uh, a couple of cute cats. It's you know, I don't. There's nothing really to to it. Uh, a, a new version of Pinocchio with some uh, interesting voice casting, including John Heater. Uh, no real great reason that this has to exist. This is from Grindstone and Lionsgate. But if the Disney version doesn't, you don't want to sort of be orthodox about it. There are a few things in this that are in the book that are not. Uh, not actually uh, in the uh, the uh, Disney movie. And then lastly, Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz. We're not in Kansas anymore, which is a, an animated uh, Oz adventure that's really not very good. But, you know, if, if your kids need their Wizard of Oz fix, as my daughter very often does, then this will scratch it for a few minutes. All right. Well, I'm going to do a couple of these little movie yeah, collections, you, got, you think? Tim's got, Tim's got a bunch of Mill Creek stuff. So uh, what, is, what do we got? Well, they, like this first little set here, the Six Degrees collection. I say that, and you already know it's involving Kevin Bacon. Uh, and, Ooh, and, and, and that's clever. What, that's what all these movies have in common. Kevin Bacon. Uh, other than that, they don't have anything in common <laughs> whatsoever. I want to be. I, I want to be in the meeting where, like, at Mill Creek, where like they they brainstorm like what to release in 2018. Uh-huh. Let's do the Six Degrees with only Kevin Bacon films. This is brilliant. That, Take an early lunch. That guy got a promotion. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> I'm telling you that right now on Blu-ray. The Big Picture, which is a movie I actually really love quite a lot. Flatliners, Kevin Bacon standing in the background right there. Hollow Man, strong Kevin Bacon horror film. Really? I actually like that. What, I, I, what's I, your name? I haven't watched it in a long time. Oh, I remember that being absolutely frightening with wow. him walking around. I remember the special effects being pretty uh, pretty good in that That movie. I remember for the time, yeah. Uh, uh, at the time, Trapped, don't actually remember that movie. Where the Truth Lies. This no, movie, that's you know? that's that, that's a going, right? Yeah. He's that, that By then, he had... Completely, almost completely lost it. Yeah. Going, yeah. yeah, just falling off a cliff. Yeah. What happened to that guy? I don't know. Oh, man. dude, exotic. Uh, 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 Exotica was Exotica, great. Yeah. Uh, the sweet Herat. Sweet after was, was amazing. He had a moment, and then he just kind of. Felicia's journey was the where I, it seemed that was okay. Turn. That was good, but it felt like he was trying to do something a little more commercial with the serial killer thing, but do it in an artsy way. Yeah. And then after that, it was just all off the rails. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, yeah. The, the last one on here, In the Cut, a Meg Ryan film with Mark Ruffalo. That's the one where she's naked. That's the one where she's naked a lot. Jane Campion. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, that's, that's before she had the, yeah. you know, you know, so, you know that's yeah. kind of good. Anyway, uh, Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon, that's an interesting thing. Then we go to the 80s Overdrive collection, uh, another yeah. six movie collection. I can say rather proudly that I've seen all of these movies. <laughs> I saw them all on the date that they were released in the 1980s. Congratulations, question mark? <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, I saw, saw The Legend of Billie Jean. Uh, Helen Slater and Christian Slater yeah. in The Legend of Billie Jean. Uh, One of my all-time favorite theme songs, by the way, yeah. that Pat Benatar. Yeah, the Pat Benatar. Yeah, Pat Benatar. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I went to see the movie. We're old. Uh, uh, Little Nikita, River Phoenix again yeah. with Sidney Poitier. That's yeah. okay. An interesting movie for that middle 80s period yeah. when we were going through that whole set of sure. things as the wall was coming down. Hard Bodies, uh, you know, why wouldn't you go see that? It's a chicken and a bikini on the cover. Uh, Spring Break, I remember dragging Bridget to see this. She thought that was perfectly insane. Private Resort, which is one of Johnny Depp's early movies, young Johnny Depp, yep. in Private Resort, and Perfect, which was a very interesting movie. Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis and, and John, John Travolta. Travolta. You know, and man, that that, that, that was a bit of a cultural... Work at all. <laughs> that didn't work. No, it didn't work at all, but it was definitely... Because you know what? Like aerobics and aerobicizing. Yeah, all that stuff, yeah. All that stuff became more mainstream because of that film. 
Because people in, in people in, in Boise, Idaho knew that women can wear like spandex tights, and you put on some ABBA, and you start dancing yeah, and lose Jane weight. Fonda was jumping around. Yeah, it was, it was my old neighbor Ron who created aerobicize. Yeah, yeah. I love soul. I love that show. Uh, Mark, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you knock off. I, I gave, These I gave him the really good ones, and then I'll pop back over to the television. Well, what we have, well, first I'll do the. Um, by the way, folks, we are just cranking out the. Let's see how many bad movies we can shove into one box set <laughs> and sell it a bin at the gas station for five ninety nine. That's where we're at now because we have nine pulse pounding films. It, nine. It, the 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 box does like nine pulse pounding films should be like the subtitle of the box. <laughs> no, it's actually the name of the box set. Nine pulse pounding films. All these are terrible except for one, which I'll save for last. Most of these feature. Is Sam um, Jackson in any of them because his face is on the <laughs> box. <laughs> no, you know. Well, the thing with that these these mo- these, mo- these mostly feature African American actors, yeah. and and so okay. Danny Glover, Louis, Louis Gossett Jr., Morgan Freeman, a lot with Sam Jackson, yeah, Mario Van, P- Sidney Poitier is uh, the Mark of the Hawk, which is yeah. hardly his best film, but the one that you don't want to buy this set for, <laughs> you just want to rent it on Netflix or something, is Badass. Now, ah, Badass yeah. is, you know, everybody knows Sweet Sweetback's Badass yeah. song, but Mario, Mario, his son, made a film about the making of Sweet Sweetback's Mario Badass is, song. Mario is in Sweet Sweetback as a kid. He's a, a little kid. boy little doing boy. an extremely inappropriate thing to a child that age. <laughs> yeah. By the way, but we'll skip that, go on. And it took, it, was, it took a long time for Mario's father to get this movie made, and it was a tortured production, and and he really knocks it out of the park with Badass, which is sort yeah. of a the uh, like of just a fictional take, I guess, or it's based on the story of how he got the film made, and it's warts and all. Yeah. Mario does not sugarcoat no. in this film, so Badass is a terrific film. And That's the only Sweet one of the Sweetback is coming out on Blu-ray. Yeah. I should point out. I saw finally. Mario the other day. Yeah, I just saw Mario the other day. Yeah, still right. looks the same, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, which is irritating. Uh, and then we have 21 films scared to death horror movie collection 21 films scared to death 21 films on three DVDs Uh, if we go down these which ones are worth it Uh, we have I Know What You Did Last Summer which I remember liking and reviewing well I'm not going to kid you I did we have um, I Know What You Did Last Summer the other ones that are good are I Know What You Did Last Summer (laughs) and then I Know What You and then the other 20 Range from The Corpse Vanishes to Johnny Jupiter to Captain Zero Meteor. These are terrible, terrible films. You know what that box is all about. That box, every one of those bad movies... Stars somebody. Stars somebody who became somebody. Who became somebody. You know, they had to get hacked up in one of these movies before they would let them actually have... Emily Blunt, you got in there, gets hacked up. Jennifer DeLove, he gets hacked up. So, you know... So what you do is you... When you package this thing, you you put their names on it. They, there's literally ten names on this thing of actors you've heard of. So so when you're when you're rummaging through the the bargain bin at Walmart and you see the big names, you'll pick this up. But then when you see the films that are on it, what the Passage Beyond in Sanitarium? <laughs> what garbage is this? It's terrible. Everybody's got to start somewhere. So I remember seeing Benji. Uh, I love the Benji movies. Joe Camp. Yeah, Joe Come Camp. on. Ben, the original Benji when I was uh, at a friend's birthday party in elementary school. Anyway, the second Benji movie is Joe Camp's For the Love of Benji, which is not a very good movie. But it's out on Blu-ray, DVD, and uh, with a digital copy as well from Mill Creek. And it includes a commentary with Joe Camp and his son Brandon, which is really the best reason to get this. It's sweet. It's cute. It's doggy. It's Benji. You know, just, there's a new Benji film. Yeah, 
there's a new Benji film directed by the son, by Joe's by son. The son. Yeah. 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 Okay. And so, so you know, there's uh, the, the 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 camps and Benji. That's it's a family affair. So anyway, uh, this is on Blu-ray. If you have an affection for the genre for the films, then no, you no, know, Wade, commentary is worth it. Wade Benji, we grew up on Benji. I, know. I love Benji. I love him some Benji too. Uh, TV. Yeah, hit that '90s sitcom starter set again. Watched every episode of every one of these <laughs> when they aired. Jesus, I'm starting to hate myself. Uh-huh. Uh, Just Shoot Me, seasons one and two. Uh, believe it or not, uh, premiered in it's 1997. Fun, it's a funny show. A funny, a funny, weird. funny show uh, with just the most extraordinary cast of mostly, I mean, uh, David Spade, I think, had been yeah. on um, uh, Saturday Night Live or something like yeah. that, whatever you've been around. Yeah. But, you know, uh, Lord Jess Sandrian, just so, so, so funny. The timing. 20 years ago. Started right? 20 years ago, ended in 90. The Larry Sanders show, of course. Season oh, two. that's Hush Tones, Larry Sanders yeah. show. Yeah. Did you not work? Let me tell you something. I was working on a late night show when that show was airing. I was on later with Greg Kinnear, which is on <sighs> NBC at 1.30 in the morning. It was Leno, Conan, and then later. So we would watch that show, and it was like a documentary. That was not a sitcom. That was a documentary. Yeah. It was amazing. It was absolutely hushed tones, Mount Rushmore, great television. Wow. Yes, fantastic. Lost Larry not too long ago. That's kind of a bummer. Um, Wings, season one and two. Again, one of those sleeper shows that was just on the air forever. It became like an inside joke. Like, who the hell watches this show? Yeah. You know, yeah. it, it's, it's just all like, watch these people sort of like all age on yeah. television, but turned out a few people. So it's you know, interesting stuff. Anyway, that's the 90s sitcom starter set. 90 episodes, 35 hours. You'd have to be insane. <laughs> but anyway, good stuff. Good for a party, I guess. All right, and we're going to wrap the show out with a couple from Cohen, who now, of course, has their own channel on Amazon Channels. And uh, the first one is one of the all-time great French movies ever made. Uh, it is Jacques Rivette's La Belle Noiseuse, which is maybe the best film about the relationship between artist and subject ever made. Um, this is an amazing, amazing film. It is four hours long. I repeat, it is Four hours long. It has an intermission. And uh, why do you, why do you need an intermission when we have a pause button? Do uh, we really need an intermission? You kind of do. You just put yourself <laughs> at the mercy of the movie. Uh, anyway, Emmanuel Bayard plays a woman who poses nude for a painter uh, played by Michel Piccoli, and it is about his how what he struggles with to get the the, the art right, and how she struggles to be able to be the perfect uh, subject. It's just an amazing movie, and it's riveting for four hours. And I know that sounds like really a four-hour French movie about a guy painting a nude woman. I don't know if I can ha- you can handle it. It's amazing. It is just a beautiful, beautiful film. And Jacques Rivette, one of the legendary figures of the French New Wave, has it's just, it's far and away his best film. Uh, this is just a wonderful movie. It is gorgeous on Blu-ray. It is an essential to have. Has a great commentary by Richard Sushensky, who talks for four hours. Man, I've done commentaries. We've all done commentaries, guys. Four hours. By himself? By himself. Oh, wow. You, you've got to be you, you've got to be prepared. You've got to be on your You can't ad lib four hours. No. He is so on his game. Uh, there's an interview with Jacques Rivette. Thank goodness they got that. And then an interview with the co-writers. It is tremendous. The thing about that movie, uh, 1991 film, if, 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 if that movie were made by an American director or remade or whatever, yeah. it would be about sex. Yeah. Uh, it'd be, this isn't. It's not it's about, about sex. It's about art. Uh, but yeah. the, the, the naked girl would make it about sex in yeah. America. It's the thing that we keep coming back to uh, on yeah. the show. We keep... We, we, it's this very distinctive sort of way that yeah. we engage in you know, being. I mean, am I wrong, Mark? No, you're absolutely right. Yeah. You know, I, I that that film, by the way. You know, if if you look at something like Blue is the Warmest Color, yeah. 
how that was received differently in Europe than yeah. it was here. Because yeah. you know, we have a huge hang-up about sex here. Yeah. In Europe, they have no hang-up about sex. Well, the Puritans left Europe and came here. <laughs> what are you trying to say, Wade? I'm, I'm just trying to say we're, we're a country founded by Puritans. It's yeah. true. It's still part of the culture. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, we're obsessed with it, though, in, a, in, a, in an odd sort of way. I mean, if you think about it, uh, the sort of commercials that play on television here, and I know we're finishing up the, the, the show and all that kind of stuff, don't, don't, they don't, they don't, they don't the need more, to do that. The more those taboos exist in a society, the more uh, that it, 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 is, t- it is titillating mm-hmm. to the society. Look, you hear about this in Saudi Arabia where they can go to movies now? So there's some they're showing wrestling on some like live t- live screen at a theater somewhere in Saudi Arabia and they accidentally included women wrestling which is against the law in Saudi Arabia still and they had to turn it off real quickly but before they turned it off the crowd went wild. Yeah. yeah. The crowd sure. went wild. Can you imagine a bunch of Saudi men going yes with women wrestling? Wow, wow, man. Tells you a lot. Yeah. Uh last film here that we're going to go out on is The Insult, which was Oscar-nominated Lebanese film uh, by uh, the director of The Attack, Ziad Douairi. Uh, an amazing movie about a... Uh, it's called... You know, it's, a, it's about a man who insults another man. There's a whole Palestinian-Lebanese issue that emerges from this, and it goes to court, and it's a tremendous film. Uh, what's missing from this movie is an absolutely outstanding audio commentary uh, featuring me yeah. and Douairi. Talking. We recorded the commentary. I don't know why it's not here. I suspect it may be because he got a little bit political in some of the things he was talking about, about the boycott and divestment movement uh, that had targeted him when he made the attack in Israel. Very interesting comments, but I will not share any of it until I know what actually happened to the original commentary. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, the insult on Blu-ray, Oscar nominee this last year, uh, tremendous Lebanese film you have to see. It's beautifully written, amazingly well-directed. And it does include some conversations with uh, with Ziad. So uh, with that, we're done. We'll be back next week. But will I be back next week? Oh, I don't know.